0: Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I am your host, Wendell Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man?
1: It's going pretty good, man. How's
0: everything? It's going pretty good. And uh, we got a lot of topics to get into today. As usual, a few NBA playoff topics, a couple of album reviews, and in the second half, um, we're going to do a review of Ocean's 12. Um, but just start off with Luca's amazing start to the playoffs and thoughts on if... Dallas can keep control, if the Clippers can um, still make this a series. Um, in Game Three, Kawhi and Paul, Kawhi and Paul George combined for 65 points to deliver um, a 10-point win in Dallas. Uh, Luca hit his first four shots, three of them being three-pointers, and on his way to a, a playoff career high 44 points. Um, but what are your thoughts on if Dallas still has has the clear advantage in this series? Because this was the Game Three was the type of game where Kawhi and Paul George had to have like a perfect type a set of performances to really like steer off Dallas and almost everything had to go perfectly right for them. And Dallas has been able to kind of like neutralize the Clippers in their, in their first few games on the road. And luka has been kind of in a, in a zone for the majority of this series. Do you think the Clippers can, can tie this thing up or do you feel that it's one of those things where Dallas kind of still has the the slight edge? Oh,
1: uh, right now I definitely think Dallas has a slight edge, but Luca has an injury, and he's questionable for Game Four. So I don't know yeah. how. That's yeah, a, that's a
0: big factor. That's
1: a big one. You, you, you have a guy. I'm, am a total believer of Luca now. <laughs> I'm, I'm extremely. <laughs> you come really on the, you come Luca on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to jump on there and just you know run get a running start. Got and try extra speed. Dive. <laughs> dive in the back, but no man, seriously, eight points. First eight, uh, eight points came from Luca. Eight, eight, zero run yeah. and all oh, Luca, man. That's that's, a, that's incredible. The guys trust him. He has, he controls the floor. Uh, man, he's a he's a mismatch for a lot of guys, even Patrick Beverly. Um, mm-hmm. He's just having a field day. What, is, what they call it? Barbecue chicken?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's consistently now, going at him like, man, you, you cannot do anything with me. Like, like just c- c- consistently jabbing him. You're too small.
1: Pa- Patrick Beverly, <laughs> I, as a defender, I, I applaud you, but you're too small for uh, Luka Doncic. But Luka is not 100% now. He's questionable. Yeah. I don't know how what is going to affect him, how it's going to affect his game. Um, but if he if he comes out on fire again and he's 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 pretty good, this is going to be walking apart. I don't think Clippers win another one. I think uh, Dallas will clean it out.
0: Yeah, it, it really does kind of feel that way as, as though even with the game three loss, Dallas has the momentum for the Clippers. Like in terms of like what has not gone right for them, and almost this year kind of feeling as though it might be an early repeat of last year where they just had high expectations. They have a new coach. They have a new system. They bring in Serge Ibaka, um, Nicholas Batum. They bring all these, like, key additions, but it seems as though, like, they're still coming up short. Like, what do you think is, like, clearly going wrong for the Clippers and also, like, how this can really affect their future if they have another, you know, early playoff exit?
1: Chemistry. Chemistry and certain guys are not the guy they think they are. Um, right. included Paul George, even Kawhi Leonard. No one questions Kawhi Leonard. No
0: one. He's always going to show up. No, no, no,
1: no, no. no he, not, he not, he's not always going to show up. First two games. I, he I mean, not what played.
0: I mean by that is, what I mean by that is, like, Game Seven against Denver, he did not show up. He didn't have a, have an a extremely good performance. But the one that we're gonna like analyze more in terms of like not even looking similar to what they did do in the regular season is Paul George because he's the one that. Has these great regular season runs, but in the postseason can't even come up close to that that type of um, like performance or even exertion.
1: But that's crazy, though. Willis. And it just, why do we give Kawhi Leonard a pass? Like I've seen this multiple times. Mm. I've even when he was with the uh, Toronto Raptors, I'm like that's we a- give Kawhi Leonard a pass. He's like he, we give him a pass like we gave Kobe a pass most people don't give LeBron a pass. We gave Mike a Never. pass. We gave uh, Paul, uh, Paul Pierce a pass, Kevin Garnett a pass, like certain guys in the league that we don't touch or talk about, but Kawhi, even low management, nobody really talks about that. I'm I'm like mad. Why do you low manage, low manage uh, Kawhi? And then you get in these situations, you don't want to take over games. We give Kawhi a pass, but we, we kill Paul George. We castrate Paul George.
0: That has to be- and that's, I mean, like that is a that is a really good point because Kawhi he's been a Finals MVP, and I think as though some like sometimes people when they see like you have these these accomplishments brought in that can sort of give you some leeway. But you got to think about it. He chose to come to this Clippers team when he had the chance to try to make a repeat with Toronto or even pick the Lakers. Like right. at the end of the day, even though Paul George has not been able to be at the level we, we want to see from a second like uh, lead player. Kawhi is the guy who decided to make this Clippers run. Decide to make this Clippers era the type of era that it's been. Like he had the choice to choose a different path, and he's gonna be. He's probably gonna. He should be the one at the center of the focal point if the Clippers don't have ever have a successful run because he's the head guy. He's the he's the guy who chose this franchise to try to lead them to you know a different type of success.
1: Everything doesn't go back to Kawhi. We, we, we look at LeBron. When LeBron had the Cavaliers, he had nobody. He had Clarkson. He had all these Lance, June, Nance Jr., all these players. And they, he led them to the NBA Finals. Everything was on LeBron. Everything. Bad, good, bad, ugly. Everything came back to LeBron. When <laughs> – this is so crazy. Nothing goes back to Kawhi, and no one's talking about it. Is he a guy that's untouchable? We see – he has not shown up these first two games. Last game – he came down, He was more aggressive. He was shooting more threes. He was going through uh through his uh going through different spots. His favorite spots in uh at the jump shot in, in, in between the lines. But the first two games, no one said where's Kawhi. Why does Kawhi do this? We will always go back to Paul George. We will always go back to uh any other guy. Kevin even Kevin Love got a, a pass. Kevin Love was supposed to be the second guy on that team. Yeah. Kevin Love got a pass. It didn't show up. Everything, yeah, everything came back to LeBron. Everything came back to. LeBron. Why do we? Why <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get to. NBA is so mm-hmm. backwards. Why yep. not go after Kawhi? Paul George is the number two guy. Number two. He's not the number one guy. Kawhi is the number one guy. But I digress. I don't understand it. Kawhi show up. If if Kawhi doesn't show up, it's going to be a first round exit. He's There's the going.
0: one who can decide how long the series goes. Honestly,
1: yes. let's see if you're that great. You're a great two way player. Let's see if you can take over a
0: series. Yeah um transitioning to Milwaukee's solid opening um playoff series win and just how this was such a drastic difference versus Miami compared to uh, last year's Eastern Conference semifinals um with the 17 point win from Milwaukee in game four uh, in Miami they became the first team uh, to advance in the season's playoffs um Brooke Lopez scored uh 25 points Bryn Forbes had 22 um Giannis sec- secured a triple double 20 points 12 rebounds and 15 assists and Jimmy Butler really had a um a very uncharacteristic type of series, not having at least one 20-point game. Um, he shot 19 of 64 in this matchup, which was um, the worst shooting series of his career. But what are your thoughts on Milwaukee's kind of complete control displayed versus Miami in this series? And also, how could the long amount of rest before their next matchup affect them? Because they probably won't start the second round until at least June 5th, and, and there's a, a long layaway before they find out who, who they play next.
1: Right. Revenge. First, first word, yeah. first thing that comes to mind, revenge from last year. Um, uh, man, Milwaukee plays some excellent basketball. You can you can tell the chemistry between these guys, and Giannis is a leader now. Yeah, Giannis is. A There's leader a reason out. he
0: signed that super that 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 contract extension and decided to 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 plant his flag in Milwaukee for the next five years.
1: Yes, indeed. And then you have Brook Lopez. I was always big on Brook Lopez, uh, even when he was with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, the, the guys is a, a good big two. He's a two way big guy. Can shoot the three if, if if possible. He can get you rebounds. He has that gritty a, grit in the bottom. And the one guy that surprised me, he continues to surprise me, Drew Holiday. Yes, he got some he got some, some some rejuvenation going on, man. Because yeah. I thought his career was going to like you know fade Found off of youth. to black. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fade to black eventually. But you, we already know about Chris Middleton. I'm I'm big on yep. Chris Middleton. Um, but
0: underrated wow. guy, underrated player, man, she does For not sure. get talked about enough.
1: Now can he be, you know, number one guy? Oh, yeah. That's a that's a different story, not well, Nah. <laughs> but the biggest headline for me from from Milwaukee is the chemistry they have, and they trust Giannis, and Giannis is a a leader. He's he's actually leading this team. He was he was not even one hundred percent the last game from a groin injury. He had, he had a triple double. I yeah. think he had like fourteen assists. That's crazy. Yeah. Now that's a field general. Yes. <laughs> Sheesh, come on, Giannis! Come on! come on take
0: over the league. <laughs> <laughs> the time is yours now man <laughs> right um but but also Dante DiVincenzo, he's going to be out for for this for the rest of the playoffs he was a kind of a, a key um supporting cast type of player like in, in terms of w- what holes Milwaukee will, will have to fill for their next series like it, it is what do you kind of want to see in particular for them as you know Brooklyn and Boston—that's that, a two-one series. I think we—I I, kind of feel as though we're both thinking that Brooklyn's gonna gonna win that series, even though Jason Tatum had a, an incredible Game Three performance. Like in, in a hypothetical matchup against Brooklyn, what do you want to see from Milwaukee to kind of build on from this Miami series? Is, is there gonna there's gonna be a, a lot more different offensive types of challenges and just defensive strategies that they're gonna have to implement against a really just juggernaut type of team? I
1: foresee Giannis playing on um, KD. I think Drew Holiday and Jeff T can kind of douse down or dormant uh, Kyrie Irving. No one's can. I think no one can hold James Harden. So James Harden is going to be the <laughs> the guy that's going to be extremely difficult to to, to hold if they if they do iso iso. But I don't think that's the type of office they want to lead to. I don't think Steve Nash really likes the iso-isos too much. But the one thing I do want to see Milwaukee, I want to see them shoot the three-point consistently. I haven't seen P.J. Tucker get in his groove yet. He's one of the best sideline three-pointers I've seen. Corner in three, Milwaukee man. He's the king of the corner three. Corner three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the best corner three guys um, in the game, I believe. He's one of the most consistent. He has a higher percentage rate than anybody else. But I want to see P.J. Tucker get you know, started getting implemented into the Weshcom. Um I wanna see Jeff Teague get some, you know, Jeff Teague was on top of the world at one point. And I think he, he still has some um some juice left in his in his tank. So it's a couple of these these guys that's coming off the bench that should start getting into the swing of things, getting in and contributing more, especially PJ Tucker outside mm-hmm. of anybody. I like PJ
0: yeah definitely um and, and and with Miami like this was they were able to get to the finals last year in the bubble a lot of people have said as though the bubble was just the perfect type of environment for them because you really had to be just like a very disciplined um just mm-hmm. focused center type of team like which is my which Miami always is and that environment just kind of fit them perfectly like what do you kind of foresee as what Miami can try to like figure out because this was a different type of year for them they didn't seem as in sync as they did. Last season, and even their leader Jimmy Butler just didn't have the type of series that we're we're used to seeing him have, and, and kind of like take charge at some points.
1: Circumstances changes. You, yeah, you didn't have the bubble was the ideal for people who get distracted easily, um, mm-hmm. and it's all at one place. You can you know have any distractions you don't have anybody. You know you can't go anywhere, you can't go out, you can't do certain things, or you can be like, <laughs> was it Gerald Smith? No, it wasn't J R Smith. Who went to Williams? Live? Yeah, Lou Williams. Little- <laughs> <laughs> it's get so those lemon pepper wings, <laughs> right? I had to get the lemon pepper wings, man. It's so many distractions <laughs> for basketball players and athletes in general. And then when you put them in a bubble in a situation where they only focus on basketball, that's when you really get the best out of them. Now you take them out the bubble; these guys who had like good, you know, good things going from in the bubble. Now we're out. We're going to different people's gyms. We have fans in here now. It's a different role. It's different. And then you have a team who wants revenge and who has better chemistry than you. I don't think they have better players. I don't think uh, Milwaukee has better players than uh, Miami, but they have better chemistry. They have uh, – mm-hmm. and they have Giannis. I mean, Jimmy Yeah, Jimmy didn't show up. That was a surprise to me, though. Jimmy didn't Big show surprise. up. Big surprise. I don't know <sighs> – he didn't. He should have never cut his hair. I think he would not cut his hair. He should have never gotten an edge up. Just, just yeah, never. Just, <laughs> he never got a shape up. He
0: should never got a shape up. It's all Jimmy's fault. But no, oh, Jimmy man.
1: didn't show up. Jimmy didn't seem like Jimmy. And yeah. I hate to use his name twice. Jimmy didn't seem like Jimmy. <laughs> but he did. And the, so he, he, he really didn't did. not and, and I
0: mean, th- this th- th- like we're so used to it. Eric poster kind of like it's like being able to just kind of even galvanize a team even to a greater degree. And it just wasn't that type of series for them. And it, you know, it, it really like even Tyler hero, wasn't himself, nope. um, bam out bio just wasn't as dominant. Like I, I definitely think this Miami team can, can get back to a competitive stage, but it almost feels as though sometimes you have that a couple year window, like the bubble, um, yeah. like a one year window where you really can kind of capitalize on something and really kind of get to where you want to go to, um, but another before we get to an, another West playoff series, the Hawks and Knicks—that's a, a really tight series. Two one, a uh, Hawks. Um, it's really kind of been one of those series where, like, especially in Game Two, the the Knicks were able to kind of get back to what they like to, what what their strategy is. Derrick Rose was able to kind of be a, a, an extremely competent floor general. Um, kind of like, what are your early thoughts on that series? As this is a pivotal Game Four for the Knicks, as they um it seemed as though one of those series where it can kind of go back and forth and maybe lead to a 6 or 7 game type of series
1: you know mm, it is it's crazy because the the hawks is a super young team super young team and these guys are playing but i, I like d rose d rose is is showing me something different Knicks got their first playoff game <laughs> in about fifty thousand years—that was that was that was really dope for him. But I think this series is going to be the battle of old guys versus young guys. Trey Young—it's mm. a—it's a lot of stuff going on. People getting spit on and stuff like that, and just it's a lot of energy, negative energy, good energy. There's a lot of stuff going on in, in the series. But I think Trey Young is showing the world what he's capable of doing. We all see here what Luka's doing because it's crazy that, that they had almost had the trade. Trey Young almost went to. The Mavericks and Luca right. went to, to the Hawks Atlanta. now, Atlanta, yeah. right? And everybody's talking about Luca. Trey Young is a great basketball player as well, and we're seeing that. This is his first playoffs, full, full blown first playoffs, and he's showing the world what he can do. The guy, I mean, yeah. he's he's playing great basketball. Last game, what he what I think he had twenty one points, thirty six minutes, fourteen assists, point guard. Like, I like that. I like that extremely type efficient
0: type of performance.
1: Yeah, fourteen assists. If any point guard has over ten assists, you you doing something. Now, now, yeah, yeah. Now I like I like point guard. I'm old school. I like point guards who can facilitate and work field generals. You can get your points. Don't get me wrong, but your first thing is to get other people open and make other people better. If you have fourteen assists, you're doing that, and you are make you getting people to their positions where they they like to shoot at. So I, I foresee the Atlanta Hawks closing this out. I do think the Knicks is going to win this game,
0: and then the then, uh, Hawks is going to close it out. Yeah, I kind of kind have that feel um, that, that feeling as well. Transitioning to early thoughts on the Suns, Lakers, and just um, how important is Chris Paul's health for the Suns' success. Um, this past Thursday night, the Lakers were able to have um, a 14-point win over Phoenix in their opening home playoff appearance. Um, Adia had 34 points and 11 rebounds. LeBron added 21 points and 9 assists. Um, Dennis Schroeder also had 20 points. Devin Booker didn't have his usual spectacular performance with only 19 points and um, was uh, uh, ejected um, kind of a, later in the game for a flagrant foul against Schroeder. And, you know, what are kind of your thoughts on how this series has developed? And also, with the concern of Chris Paul's um, bruised right shoulder, how much will that affect the Sun's chances to win as we kind of saw the Lakers get back to what their, strat- like, what their, you know, preference was with AD and LeBron kind of getting to the basket more and also just the Suns not being able to get the same shots and, and sets they usually get um, in the first two games?
1: You know, without Chris Paul, this is going to be extremely difficult for them to win. Uh, we, we've mm-hmm. seen him, the impact he has when he was with the, uh, the Houston Rockets and the first couple of games they were neck and neck and then he went down and then they went up and then he came back, they were winning, he went down again. And you see the mm-hmm. impact Chris Paul has and what he, what he does really, really well, but he has some play game injuries every year. And it's, it's crazy. You get all the way to this point, you're healthy, no injuries, no signs of being injured, and then you get injured when it matters the most. And he probably will miss game four. If he missed game four, they will not win. <laughs> Their chance No, is it's not going to happen. <laughs> and Devin Booker, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. Everybody has been on your side saying he hasn't got the opportunity to show how great he can be in the postseason. He's getting one now. He's getting one now. He didn't. He didn't have a great game the last game. Like you say, he got you know ejected. But this is your game. How do you? Mm-hmm. This should, you should be amped up, Chris Paul. Out. Okay. Well, you're really the number one guy. Chris Paul is a, is a guy to help you become the number one guy and just and take the lead. But now you have yeah. to be you know him. So can you do it? Can Devin Booker be the number one guy? I'm not so sure. I'm not 100 percent on Devin. I think he's a great shooter. I think he's a great scorer. But as a Number one guy to the leader, I haven't seen him yet, so I'm on the fence. But if Chris Mm -hmm. Paul doesn't play, you're going to lose, for sure.
0: Yeah, and and also, yeah, I mean, with the Lakers, like, they're kind of getting, they're looking back at, they're looking at the type of team that's getting back into form and really kind of um, finding their groove in some aspects. In terms of, like, with what the Lakers have to continue to to. How how they need to continue to find their rhythm? Do you feel as though it's one of those things, that, as though like probably at the beginning of the postseason they weren't as as good in game shape, and now they just kind of need some more games and some more rounds to kind of like finally get back into the form that that we're kind of used to seeing them in.
1: Well, you had two of their the main guys injured for for a stint there with LeBron James. Stint of time. And, yeah, and then in AD, um, so now you you have to get that chemistry back. You have to get the flow of the game back. We all know these guys can be in amazing shape, but when you when you're missing those two guys and you have to figure it out, it's going to be difficult. Now they can get into the swing thing. Now LeBron James can be LeBron, and they can feed AD. I don't think Aiden can <laughs> Aiden cannot mess with AD and mm-hmm. feed him the rock. Everybody, everything else is going to flow through him. Schroeder has been playing big minutes. Like he's been surprising me. Last I think the last game he had 33 minutes with 20 points. And like he's feisty as well, too. Schroeder is so feisty. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Drummond is coming along. Drummond had eleven rebounds. If he can if he can hone Dennis Rodman, if he can like talk to Dennis Rodman right before the game, say, Hey, how do you look at the rotation of the ball? Like they Have a quick pep talk.
0: <laughs> need... Right, exactly.
1: Everybody needs to hone in on their role. If Drummond gets them second chances, Drummond can be the Dennis Rodman. Schroeder can be—I mm-hmm. don't know who Schroeder could be. You know who? LeBron James. Yeah, Michael. And then,
0: <laughs> then. MJ.
1: <laughs> so it, I think these guys have that formula of like the Bulls, but everybody's yeah. got to hold it in the row. So it's going to take some time. But now, now Chris Paul is out. They're gonna—they—they they smell the water. They smell the blood in the water.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and, and, and also um another a cu- couple more playoff like a uh, west playoff series you know Portland Denver that's tied up um 2-2 um Portland was able to have i believe a 20 point win against Denver uh, uh last night um I mean uh, last afternoon and then with the Jazz and the Grizzlies Donovan Mitchell was able to be back in game 2 and then game 3 last night they're able to pull off a 10 point win um, is there any other playoff series, whether, whether it be the, the West or East, that you're kind of intrigued how it kind of plays out and, and kind of what are some of the key factors um, going forward in it?
1: I like the Jazz and Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzlies. I watched that game the other day when Ja went off, and it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. The Jazz might be that stick well. Rudy yeah. Gorbert looked really good. <laughs> Line, he <laughs> Very good. good. Donovan Mitchell looked good. Like these guys. Mike Conley might,
0: was even impressive.
1: Mike Conley is... the guy's been in the league for a while, and he's been shopped mm. around a couple times. And now we see him like Mike. Now that you mentioned it, Mike Conley what had a great game. He was on fire. These guys was on fire. But Rudy Gobert, man, I still think he should have won. You know, MVP that one year. I'll just that just be. There hasn't been an MVP big man MVP in a while. Um but yeah, I, I it's it's just it's not gonna I think I'm, I'm convinced that the Jazz are the it factor. Because Ja had what an amazing game. Not even just Ja, the Grizzlies had an, not a not yeah, the Grizzlies has an amazing game and it still wasn't mm-hmm. enough. It's was one twenty <laughs> one one twenty one to one well, eleven.
0: J- Dylan oh, Dylan Brooks yeah. also had a very good game as well. I mean, they, they were they were getting key offensive performances from from their their top top guys.
1: And it still wasn't enough, and it, it, it's crazy.
0: So that I've been
1: sleeping on the jazz. I was like nobody's afraid of the jazz. I said that a couple times. I remember saying that nobody's scared of the jazz. Well, they should be, because when yeah. Ja tried to duck over here, this team's looking for real, and, and he realized <laughs> I'm up here. He's up here too. I don't think I'm gonna <laughs> be the this guy, and it uh, smack You know what I mean? It's not
0: gonna happen. It's not gonna happen
1: today. But, yeah, everybody played. Even the bench, Allen, came off the gate, gave him 17 points, 29 minutes. It still yeah. wasn't enough. So, it's an testament to the Utah Jazz. Might be the real thing.
0: <laughs> Man. I, we've been saying all year, nobody's scared of the Jazz. Maybe maybe they should be. <laughs> maybe they should be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and and Portland, Denver, that's two, two, tied up 2-2. Two, two. Like, do you have a, a, a team you're giving an edge to in that one? Because that seems one of those series, just like, a couple of years ago, it could could go down to seven. Um, Jokic has has had some good performances. Lillard has you've kind of gone back and forth. It, it seems as though that's one of those types of series that can really kind of really go down to the wire.
1: Ooh, it, I think it all depends on the third quarter for these teams. No, for for the Nuggets and Trailblazers, it always mm-hmm. depends on the third quarter.
0: Um, yeah, that's, a, that's and, a key quarter.
1: Yeah, key quarter for – definitely for the Nuggets and Trailblazers because the last game – the the game before that Nuggets had a great third quarter, and then the game when they just lost on the twenty, um, they, the Trailblazers beat the Nuggets on the twenty ninth. The, the the Trailblazers had an incredible thirty six nineteen point uh <laughs> third quarter. And mm. where's McCollum? <laughs> this keeps happening. <laughs> I watched that game on the twenty ninth, and I was like, oh, what? It's, why can't both of these guys just go off? Like, go off. CJ. We're just
0: waiting on it. We're just waiting on, not not just Dame time, but also CJ to, to come through as well.
1: I don't understand, CJ. CJ, you are a number one player, hands mm-hmm. down, on any other team.
0: Oh, yeah. What? It's
1: number man. one option. Bro, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I was like, CJ, shoot. Shoot. Don't pass it. Oh. <laughs> shoot it. Just shoot it till you can't shoot no more. You're the difference maker. They still won. Don't get me wrong. They still won. But CJ, come on, bro! Like
0: that's gonna have to be one of the biggest keys. CJ is gonna have to 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 play up to the the cal- the caliber type of level that we're used to seeing him at.
1: And we give him a pass too. Well, I don't give him a pass, mm-hmm. but most people give him a pass. Well, like the the media and stuff, because they said Dame they said they the best two two guy tandem in the league, in the league, best out of lebron and ad and all these other
0: guys has thank to be you. delivered in the postseason
1: okay, thank you <laughs> i'll have to say
0: anything you you said just what i exactly <laughs> <laughs> um but but now transitioning to our album reviews and to start off um with the harnett's uh ready is always too late um in her sophomore album there's just a sonic embodiment of harnett's uh growing confidence um in the course of the second track stay um there's blossoming trust that's laid out lyrically and um, her vocals are always elevated to perfection. There's just a combination of um, electronic R&B and classical production. Um, she has a number of features on this record, uh, Van Jess and Missego, and also Lucky Day. Um, and one of the album's first singles, uh, Hard For Me To Love You, there's vulnerability that just casts shadows that linger throughout the record. Um, what were your thoughts of this sophomore album and just kind of how Harnett was able to um, exhibit self-restraint and introspection?
1: I think... Well, before I even get to her amazing voice, like I always say about most of these artists, some artists, I'm like, whatever. But I love the way she implemented different styles of music from different artists in a jail well, like Earth Gang. Earth Gang has a- One of my favorite tracks. Yeah. Earth Gang has a distinguished sound. And to be able to implement your sound with their sound, and it comes out a banger, like not even a banger, it comes out like in a great, great song. And then Lucky Mm -hmm. Day, Lucky Day has a distinguished uh, sound as well. It's, it's mostly that you know that New Orleans New Orleans style church church feel and to be able to implement your style way style. That's incredible. It's it's hard to do. And you look at uh, Masego and Von Jess, yo. Woo. That's right. Sticking, Oh yeah. <laughs> that was a fire track. And that was what I was like really um, impressed by with this with this uh, sophomore album, that she was able to um gel well with other artists and that's so that's why some people don't do features or it's hard to find different artists that you know you can you can send them a track and be like oh can you get on this and when they send it back like mm, that's not what I was looking for or mm we just don't gel well so to be That heard- is
0: really a tough that that is an underrated element if artists that don't have bring on features as much it really is like it, it's an experiment to really kind of see, like, who, who really works with you. Because it, it's not always automatic, as we see with kind of maybe, like, the A-listers.
1: Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people want to do features, but it's just so hard to find an artist that can, like, you know, bring the same energy or bring, like, the same writing abilities or whatever. Some people some people will send it to artists and send it back, and they won't use it because, one, ah, I just don't. That ain't what I was looking for. Or we just don't mm-hmm. we just don't have that track. But for her, I don't know who who else she had tried to get featured on this album. I think she had the right, (laughs) the right formula for the features. Earth Gang, Lucky Day, Masego, like that guy is so talented. I just want to get in a room with him and just, hey, can you teach me music? Can you teach me the saxophone? Can you teach me the piano? Like, (laughs) God, you're like, dudes, dudes, fire, man. And I mean, when she had Earth Gang, that was really kind of like, what? She got Earth Gang because I like Earth Gang. Her game fire, them boys, and they from Spill Village too. Ooh, but yeah, this Bonus. this album's fire. This album's fire. She gets, she, yeah. gets uh, she gets a five out of five stars.
0: Whoa, five out of five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I have
0: before for this. Yeah, and and, and, and I mean. Like, Take Me Away, Hard For Me To Love You, sticking. those are probably like my top three. Were, were there any tracks that you kind of felt as though you just kind of had to keep going back and, and, and listening to um, a, a, as much for this one?
1: The the interlude. You know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for interludes, man. Yes. I don't understand why I'm a sucker for interludes. It's just it's just on the bottom. That jail interlude was a good one. Um, Obvious. That's a sleeper.
0: Mm, that's an underrated one, yeah.
1: Yeah, Obvious is a sleeper. But Stickin', definitely take me away most definitely anymore most definitely like i think every song in this album like everything fits together it flows well i'm all about the the flowage of the album the production does the production match at yeah. least um and then if, if you have features does the features match well with your voice it matches matches well with the, the i guess the the direction of the album and what you're trying to portray and what you're trying to uh the story you're trying to tell. So Ready is Always Too Late. I the the, the name of the album is fire, too, because that I get you thinking, Ready is always too late. It's like
0: a- Bro, is it safe to say this is one of the best albums we've heard all year? This is this is like one of the top ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't find any hard, I couldn't find any critiques yeah. on this album. Like this was no. this was like a, a straight run through.
1: She really did her thing. Whoever who's her on her team, I don't know if she wrote all her music or whatever, but who's ever on team, they did an excellent job of Doing this, I hope it's getting like good streams because it deserves it. If I give an album five out of five stars, and that says, (laughs) that's really saying
0: something. (laughs) You're a tough critic.
1: (laughs) Most most of the time, it's like four or five songs on the album I really rock with. I'm like, okay, that was you know, that's a good song. That's that's a that's a decent album, but I rock with more than four or five songs. And it's Mm -hmm. only a 11 song project. That's really good. And it's it's a very concise. Yeah, there you go. See, I love that. when Drake put out a concise number, concise is the word for the rest of the year. And then the rest of the that's what for, for Hey, that's
0: what that's what forty said in, in an interview and in, uh, uh, recently he said I, I've been I've been asking Drake, can you just do a, a eleven twelve classic type of album? Just give me eleven or twelve. <laughs> if he does that,
1: that's it's so hard to do because you want to do so much and yes. it just doesn't fit in the cup.
0: <sighs> that's so tough. If he could do that.
1: Right now, um, I am hate to steal her time and talk about Drake. If Drake, it's so it's not much Drake can do anymore. But it's just like Th- that's rude. the thing.
0: I really don't know. I'm kind of at that point where I'm just like I, I, I I'm, 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 I'm excited to see what he's gonna. I, I'm not. I mean, i not. Not no pun intended to see what's next. <laughs> but but honestly, <laughs> like, <a> <laughs> but but honestly, like it really feels as though he's kind of just at the top of the mountain. Even receiving artists of the Decade, like that's another thing. There's just so many mountains he's climbed. I, I really don't know what what else he can kind of top and, and really, and maybe that's why he's just kind of just so, like, you know, happy and, and really, like, grateful for, for the position he's in now.
1: And that's why he's going to drop it in October.
0: Yeah, drop it late. Yeah, y'all said,
1: what, you, you and reset. said...
0: Now, I and- said, I, I'm, not, I'm gonna lie, I said June, that that was, <laughs> I said June, uh, Marie said July, we were in the summer range. It seems as though it was gonna be a later type of release. It's
1: gonna be a later one, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> he knew all this stuff was gonna come. Twenty 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 one. 2021, everything is opening back up. The award yes. shows are opening up. He strategized back up. it perfectly. Exactly, he's just won Artist of the Decade. He probably made a song after that night. Oh, yeah. So it's just, it, it's really crazy. Last Man, Artist of the Decade. I got a decade. Of, like, he talk about, I don't know, whatever he, whatever he writes. But, like, he probably made a <laughs> song, that Night, about something. And then he was like, ooh, I'm probably going to put that on the album. This is going to mm-hmm. be a crazy album. I think he's still going to drop in October. I, I think he does.
0: That's amazing. When, whenever he gonna drops, be- we're, we're going we're gonna to be ready.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's probably going to be the last album, too.
0: His last? I think so. Yo, mm-hmm. a lot of people have been saying that they think this might be a retirement album.
1: Yeah, that's why I said... Sinead albums. Harnett, I'm
0: sorry. We're talking about Drake too much. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yo, This always happens.
0: <laughs> there's nothing
1: else for him to do. Nothing yeah, it's nothing else for him to do. He doesn't do many features. It's it got to be his last album. Like, just what, you know...
0: What, a, what a career if it is, though. What, what, a way to, <laughs> way to, what a way to go out if it is.
1: His catalog is crazy. Yeah. That's
0: why these artists of the decade. That's hard to do. Definitely. Um. But but now interesting to to JID's DiCaprio too, and just kind of thoughts on how his confidence has been able to rise over the years. This was his second album from 2018, and you know JID has had so many verses where it's you know effortless and, and fast. Um. His melodic instincts are strong, and the anti-materialistic so, um, outlook that that's in his project correlates to a joy hunger and reflection. Um. But what were your thoughts on how this second album from JID? elevated his delivery and songwriting to a point where he sounds com- just completely in his own element.
1: One of the best lyricists out right now. And yes. he's it's something about him that it's I don't know, bro. It's like I'm a I'm a fan of his writing ability. I'm a fan of his features. I'm a fan about just how he finds different melodies and different how to say different words and how to his punchlines, his delivery. It's like how he finds different stuff inside the songs, and it's like surgery, like Tuck. like he's he's surgical with it. I don't listen to his music all the time. I will say that it's like certain certain mm-hmm. artists that I respect to the T, like Toby Nguyen-Way. Oh, I probably butchered his last name. I'm a I'm, I respect him so much. He's amazing. Um, uh D Smoke. I respect him so much, but these guy, my ears won't allow me to listen to them consistently. Jed is the same way, but I respect this man's writing abilities, so he makes me want to go into the lab and write. It's only a couple artists that do that. J. Cole is one, Drake is one, J.I.D. is one, Smino is another one. Smino be spotted! We gotta do one on Smino. But J.I.D., his his writing abilities, bro, and how he finds it for like he's he's top tier. He's he's up there. Lyrically, he's an MC hip-hop Fanatic. He's not no rapper. He's an MC hip hop fanatic. The guy, and his album is fire. Like his songs is like, they're different. It's like Spill Village. This is different. But if you mm-hmm. really sit down and listen to his lyrics and what he's talking about, and now he has a, I forgot what's the surgical tool they use <laughs> in surgery, but he's in there like, man, forget it's surgery. He's sculpting. He's sculpting. Did you hear that noise, Wellington?
0: It, it, it's it's a, bro, it's a masterpiece. When, yeah. It's 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 incredible because like it, he also to me has one of the most anticipated new projects. I, I think I think the album is going to be called the um the Forever Story. But to me, like what he's going to be able to do with with this next project and how he's going to be able to craft it, that's really going to be a fascinating development. Is there anything in his next album that you kind of want to see more of, or possibly just build on from what he's done in his past two projects? Ooh,
1: that's tough because he's already did it. To be honest with you. He's one of those guys yep. that it just comes natural. Like yep. I don't, I don't like because he he when he features on there's a song, there's no
0: doubt with what he's gonna be able to deliver.
1: Yeah, and when he features on a song, bro, like the one with Reasons, the one where he has a couple with Smino, he he has a mm-hmm. bunch of features on and he kills them. <laughs> don't get me wrong, Reasons is a great rapper. Smino is a great rapper. Yeah. it just comes. Even when he was on the song, I'm going down, down, babe. I mean, like that song. Oh,
0: Down Bad? Yes. Down
1: Bad? Yeah, bro. He killed everybody. And he did the hook. <laughs> bro, like, dude, it's, it's just natural how he finds the different melodies and how he knows how to, when to chop up the words. And, to like, it's crazy.
0: Have you ever seen That's his? the thing with Down Bad. You forget who who else is on the the, the, the the track because he he made that his own song. Like he literally could have taken that as one of his own songs.
1: And then Boss was on it too. Yes. And I mean, yeah, he murdered. <laughs> he murdered. <Man>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it the true, bro. He's crazy. It the true. <laughs> like man is yeah, man is crazy. And it, I wish it like it just comes natural. Yeah, J Cole was even on that song.
0: Mm-hmm. He'd be murdered J. Cole. We, we never can say that we never can say that never. we never ever can say
1: <laughs> it's hard to out somebody like J cole and j-i-d is one guy who can do it You can do, do it
0: <laughs> jay can do it well, yeah, yeah. for sure well we're going to take a quick break i'll be right back with our oceans 12 review welcome back to the show and now we're getting into our oceans 12 review and to start with the overview, Ocean's Twelve is a 2004 American heist comedy film directed by Steven Soderbergh, the second installment of the Ocean's franchise and the sequel to Ocean's Eleven, um, starring George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Katherine Zeta-Jones, Andy Garcia, Julia Roberts, Don Cheetah, and Bernie Mac. It um, had a budget of 110 million, brought in 300 362 million in the box office, and had a 54% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Ocean's Twelve just, in, in terms of this sequel, it kind of had a slower start compared to the first one, and just an overall different type of pace. Um, looking back at it, uh, you know, we did the Ocean's Eleven review last year. What were your initial thoughts of this film and kind of what it had to follow up and just kind of a, a, a one of the most memorable heist films that that was ever created?
1: You know, it's crazy. We always say this. It's extremely hard to uh, do a sequel to, or like, you know, a continuation of sequels of a, a great film and yeah. to do it well, Ocean's Twelve did that. They exceeded what they did in Ocean's Eleven, so it's extremely difficult. And to be able to get the same cast back and add more people to it, that's difficult as well. So just for them to be able to, everybody to come back in and to want to do this film again, you still have heavy... These, this is one film that had a bunch of heavy hitters. Man, To have George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Bernie Mac, uh, the... the least not those, not Bruce you know, Willis. Bruce Willis was <laughs> in this one. <film. sighs> Man, to have that many heavy hitters the only movie that also had that many heavy hitters is expendables and expendables yes. was mm, it was all right the first one was good yeah. the other ones were like mm, okay but to be able to bring all those heavy hitters in one film you know that's crazy but ocean 12 did that and it did take away from like the you know the foundation of what they built in oceans 11
0: that and that's the tough thing to do to not take away from that foundation they really pull that off well um Transitioning to our first topic, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, what would kind of be your particular rating, and and, and your kind of some of your reasons um, uh, for it specifically?
1: Ooh, I'm thinking four out of four. I think it's because one, you have all these oh. Four out of four stars. Okay. Are you surprised by that?
0: I I, I mean I, I give it a three. I give it a three.
1: You. give it... <laughs> <laughs> A three? I'm give it four out of four. Because okay. one to, to have these <laughs> – thats kind of surprised me, to have these. <laughs> it did? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to give four out of four stars, too. To they have all these heavy hitters in it, and no one takes it away from no one else. Like, everybody, it, it, it still flows well enough for no one to be like, oh, the, the biggest star, take it too long for anybody. I'm pretty sure it was mm-hmm. um, improv. Throughout the movie, especially with I me mean, having Bernie Mac, you've been definitely have to get some improvisation in it. But and then the storyline, I like how they you know implemented the the last guy, the last boss they stole from. Now they're working for him. Now it's just like it's dope. You didn't like the story?
0: No, I I really did like this film. Um, I, I I would the reason I would give it a three, like here here's my thing. Like I feel as though the the first film was just kind of like the perfect type of heist film, and I think what what the second one had to carry on there were some parts of it that I don't know, like the first one almost had like perfect amount of chemistry. And I feel as though the second one had to live up to a certain level that was maybe kind of too tough to like even top. Like the, there were smart elements of it. It was still it was still thrilling and there was like a, also like a lot of consistent moving and they're throwing curve curveballs at you like later in the film. But I just feel as though a four star film, like you really have to there ha- there almost has to be like no nitpicks. You didn't find any nitpicks, but for like my personal preference i feel as though there were some parts of it that maybe dragged that were oceans 11 i didn't feel like any of it dragged it just was kind of like a consistent like smooth pattern throughout the entire movie wow
1: i mean that's a good point i will say that that's a good point but i just didn't think you were
0: gonna see a three man i I surprised you we we usually always give it four yeah
1: like soo's just like oh you say really i was like what like is that a surprise like no i gave it three i was like what (laughs) well <laughs> it doesn't give anything threes most of the time I so usually I mean, don't <laughs> what Except for market. if it's Joker
0: Or um, Malcolm and Marie Okay moving on it, cause you just... <laughs> um, But transitioning to, to favorite character um, to, to, to me like This was the type of film where Brad Pitt As, as Rusty he kind of seemed as though like Really on this film He's the sounding worker most of the plan and Always has the ability to just kind of be able to Understand D- Danny's thought process, and this in this f- film, who was kind of like your favorite character, and you know who really like stood out to you the most?
1: Terry Benedict. Um mm. And it's uh, it's, it's it's crazy that I say that he's my favorite character because one, you lose your money, right? Okay, yeah. I'm not gonna send y'all to jail, but y'all gonna get my money back, and you gotta figure it out. Like I, I like that, you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna throw yes. y'all in jail. Like I knew what y'all was doing. Y'all stole my money. Okay, cool. I know. You're what give y'all it back was. to me. But you got to get it back. And then he was like, he was running the show. Like, now I'm in control of crooks and, and thieves and stuff like that. That's, that's really dope to me. Like, I mean, you're were, you were ahead of a, a crooked system anyways in the casino. Now I'm head of crooked people <laughs> who steal stuff. Like, I think that was so ironic it's and funny. Like, I don't
0: know. So contradictory.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I think he was like, he was he a butthole, too. So I would want to steal from yeah. him, too. Like, he's a butthole. But I, I like his character. He made. He gave the uh, the movie some oomph, if that makes sense. Yeah. You
0: know? He added a necessary, necessary element to it.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess not to get four stars, but it's okay. Oh, man. Throwing the shade. Throwing a consistent shade for this one. <laughs> um, but you're listening to most memorable scenes. I had uh, Lost in Translation where where Linus messes up um, Danny's coded conversation uh, with Matsui. Uh, lie hard, testing and the crew try not to blow their cover when um, Bruce Willis visits Julia Roberts. The best where Talor proves that he's the best thief in the world by avoiding roaming uh, laser beams in a museum. How much is everybody short? Uh, the egg lift where Danny and the gang steal the, the real uh, Faber of egg. Um, and finally, 160 million plus interest. Uh, Terry Benedict shows up to Tessa's house and demands the amount um, he wants from the heist. Um, the the best scene where Talor kind of proves he's the best thief in the world. I, th- I thought that was a really kind of uh yeah. interesting mm-hmm. and fascinating type of scene where he's going going through all the intricate details of how he pulled it off. Um, what was kind of your most memorable scene, or or maybe two or three that you kind of had from this one?
1: I mean, that was the top one. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought that was the top one, especially you know I'm the best thief. Um, ah, hmm, nah, I, it wasn't any other like scenes that really like stood out. Like, was like. Uh. But I think that was, as soon as you said that, I was like, yep, that's the one. That's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. But I really don't yeah. have any other
0: you know, scene that kind of stood out to me. Yeah. Um, and transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had, it's not in my nature to be mysterious, but I can't talk about it. And I can't talk about why from Rusty. Every problem is an opportunity in disguise from Danny. I'm a tra- traveler of both time and space uh, from Linus. Uh, How can I refuse a dying man's last request from Francis uh, tolor And finally, nothing costs nothing from Terry Benedict. Um, what were kind of some of your uh, memorable quotes and uh, and kind of like which ones that, that resonated with you the most?
1: It's, just, it's a weird one. I, Danny and Rusty's character, when they used to <laughs> <when> they, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't want to say it. Like this whole, you said you call his niece a, you know uh, Oh yeah, that one. And then <laughs> Rusty was like a very cheap one. The latest cowboy was like, what? He was like, Danny was like, she's seven. She's like, Clearly confined to the bed with the wicked case of no, you don't need to tell that. He said, "Sorry, okay, so what does it mean?" It said, "It means you stay here." Like
0: what? <laughs> Linus looked so confused throughout the meeting. He was just nodding his head. He was just like, "What am I doing?"
1: <laughs> right, and I was—I thought that was such a a, <laughs> a funny transition. of where like, "What are you going to said Like I don't know. <clears throat> I thought that was really—I thought that was really funny and really weird. Um... Oh really gotta go, let's go, let's move Ah, is this some more uh ah, I haven't even looked at Bernie Mac. Wait, before I Bernie Mac is in this movie, right? <laughs> yeah, he is. <Exactly>. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought I would went crazy. I was like, I just character uh is yet? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but Bernie Mac got some good lines in there too, but I just can't
0: find. It. Yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of just the overall, like this this whole crew, like like um they 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 all have this type of just chemistry, like every person that's picked from um the 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 heist crew, like even from the even from the original to to the last one. What what did that kind of tell you in particular from how Steven Soder, Soderbergh put this put this particular one together? Um in, in terms of just that like that chemistry and just how it almost feels feels as though there's no slip-off. Like, did that tell you more about like the characters and actors in specific, or maybe what Steven Soderbergh had to do to kind of build on from um, *Ocean's Eleven? It's
1: it's crazy how they the chemistry. I mean, most of these guys know each other, anyways. I think yeah, Brad Pitt and um and George Clooney they. had a, some type of relationship, and then Bernie Mac gets along with anybody. And you have Don Cheetah, Julia Roberts. She's she's such a joy. I've never heard anything negative about her on set or anything Flawless like that. Lawless actress. Andy Garcia is, is a stand-up guy. I Never heard anything about him on um, said. So you have Matt Damon as well. Matt Damon is, is such an adaptable guy. He could play. He has so much range. He can play any type of role.
0: His as range he, is incredible. Goodness. He doesn't get talked about enough,
1: and I think because I don't know, he doesn't get talked. He played family roles. He's played um, Goodwill Hunting. Um, mm-hmm. He's played an Assassin. He's played like he has so much range, and it's, it's crazy. He doesn't get talked about enough. But you have all those guys which is selfless and know how to be professionals. And I'm pretty sure Bernie Mac was like lighting the, the, the set up with jokes and stuff like that. So <laughs> it just brings that lightness about it. And then when you have a great director and a great storyline, I think it comes easy. And, and it has to be the people. Um, It has yeah. to be the actors. It has to be the guys who's buying in. Um, But, yeah, to be able to do that, even that's the, that's no small feat because we've seen movies where like, oh, let me give you one, uh, Blade Trinity. What's his name? Uh, Wesley Snipes did not like Ryan Reynolds. He did not like him at all. And they had some heavy hitters in there too. He did not like Ryan Reynolds at all.
0: Did he ever give a reason?
1: (laughs) He was just—you know how Ryan Reynolds has that um, personality. Like, where he's on film is what he is in real life.
0: Can kind of rub you the wrong way.
1: Yeah. And he was like, all yeah. right, bro, you get, you get on my nerves. Like, you need to shut up. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was like, not like a fire thing. It was just like, yo, you need to shut up. So the looks he was giving him, Wesley Sight was giving him in the real movie, like in the movie, that's what like, he was really like, bro, you need to shut up. <laughs> that's why it looks so real. Like, no, they I used to um, It really to...
0: does look real. Like that's how he was actually <laughs>
1: Yeah, they said he did not like him on said He did not. He said it was like pulling teamwork work with Ron Reynolds. And I'm a big fan of Ron Reynolds. I think his personality is dope, <laughs> to be honest with yeah. you. But yeah, it's it's like that is a you know what I'm saying, it's it's extremely difficult to bring all those guys together and just bring out magic. And mm-hmm. no one be, you know, stepping on anybody's toes because you
0: Julia Ron Nobody Ron Reynolds, was trying to get in front of the other person. She's
1: an A-lister,
0: alone. Yeah. And then it was as another uh, woman actress
1: in here, um, Catherine Zeta-Jones.
0: Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah,
1: Catherine Zeta-Jones. She's an A-lister, too. Come on, man. Like, how they get all these... How they pay all these people?
0: That's (laughs) what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But transitioning to what did you like the most about the storyline, to me, how this film just doesn't rest entirely on not just the charisma of the cast and Soderbergh's direction, but also showing them um, out of their depth. Uh, Ocean's Eleven was... About everything going according to plan, and then for this one, um, Soderbergh goes completely opposite of of that and deals more with things kind of falling apart constantly, and just adds a different type of twist and and plot direction. Uh, What did you kind of like the most uh, about this particular storyline?
1: I like the way. uh, I think I already gave the my favorite part, like when you know Andy Garcia's character, like you know he we knew he knew who stole money from him. Now it was like, hey, I gotta go get this back. And that just storyline, you know, some people just be like, you know, thieves, you know, they be like, oh, we're just going to enjoy this money if we have to get back into it. Like, you know, it's mean? just like towns, like they robbed a lot of money. Yeah. Once the money go down, OK, now we got to get back. No, y'all have time to spend this money or some did. Some did spend their money, but y'all have the time to spend this money. Y'all got to go get this money back or y'all going to jail. I mean, that's an amazing storyline. itself. now I got to figure out what we're going to do. And that's when you put two great brains together and they figure out, let's go steal this. And then you get Bruce Willis. And you get like, yo, like, and I love how, (laughs) I love how. Just pick up Bruce. Just pick up Bruce. (laughs) Exactly. And I love how they use these A-listers like Bruce Willis. And they they give him a tacky role or just like an obvious role. It's just like they implemented him like, I'm going to put you right here. It's gonna be perfect mm-hmm. for the movie. We're not gonna to do too much with you. You're not going to do too less with you. But you're gonna get your yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was all yes. strategic how they put everybody on, on screen together. So the storyline. I mean, Andy Garcia kind of. You know, that's my
0: favorite character. Like he's, he's the MVP hole, of though. this film for you. He's this. <laughs> you're no, like
1: here, yes, seriously. like because I mean the first one, Brad Pitt. My no, my favorite one was Bernie Mac because Bernie Mac was just super funny. But I love Brad Pitt's mm-hmm. character. Yeah. I love George Clooney's character. And, but for this one, for the storyline, I thought it was, it was beneficial for it to have the villain, like the puppeteer, you know what I mean? To string, like, because right. with the group is George Clooney and Brad Pitt, but now they're getting controlled by another, you know what I mean? So th- that, that, that yes. storyline is really dope.
0: Different me. elements of control. Exactly. Yeah. Um, transitioning to our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think this will be uh, watchable and intriguing? Um, I definitely think it will. Like as we've you know uh, reiterated constantly, the cast just just works seamlessly. You add in you know more uh, uh, more additional characters with you know uh, Catherine Zeta Jones and, and Bruce Willis. You just have all of these circulating uh, parts that are kind of coming together to, to really go in sync and and make a, a very solid sequel. Um, and I think that's what kind of will, will carry this as, you know, this has been past a decade, but um, to, to carry it on even further um, to you in particular, what do you think will make this um, a, a consistent, watchable, and intriguing film?
1: Storyline, for sure. Um, just the, yeah. the the amount of respect people have for this franchise. Uh, the A-listers that's in this movie incredible. incredible. Um, <laughs> like, man, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, man. I, I grew up watching Brad Pitt. And Bruce, you know, you get Bruce Willis in there for a stand, you got Bernie Mac, Don Cheeto with the accent, um, <laughs> which is really funny. Don Cheeto
0: killed it. Don Cheeto's killed it in almost <laughs> every film in this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he had a great accent for this one. And then there's a lot of other supporting cast members that a lot of people know about, um, like Scott Kane. Um, mm-hmm. I remember him from Ready to Rumble and some other likes. Um, uh, Enemy of the State was another one. He was in there. He was one of the uh, the agents. Um, so it's just like those. It's, it's, it's the list goes on. How many great actors they have that are a listers they have in this movie? But like you, you, will, you'll will spot somebody you know. You'll definitely be like. Oh, oh man, sure. I know that guy. Yeah. I know that guy. Did we have so, to I mean, spot him quick. Yeah, exactly. So this film has. Yeah, this is a dope film. This is one of the franchise I wish they would continue to go. I mean, they made the the one with uh, Ocean's Dan Eight
0: and Sandra Bullock and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Ocean's eight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, what that's what it's called. Yeah, that was that was a movie. Yeah, that was the movie title. Well that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, of Burns Lama, my counterpart, say about Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.